This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. What's going on, everybody? It's segment two on Fantastic Friday with the Michael Zuber from One Rental at a Time. Mike, are you ready for this one? I, I am actually. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> you scare me sometimes. <laughs> so I'm sitting here late last night, family's asleep. And I'm sitting there just thinking about the business, pondering the business, you know, thinking about, you know, what the last year and a half has been like. And just really in that time of self-reflection, what is really different over the last year and a half for me dealing with this awesomeness of a health crisis and public health crisis? What's been the biggest Mm -hmm. difference for me over the last, you know, 18 months being a landlord? So I know what my answer was, but I'd love to hear from you. You know, you've been doing this for 20 years, a little bit longer than I have. And, you know, what, what's been the biggest difference for you over the last 18 months? Yeah, with this question, at least for me, I have to answer it in two phases, right? Mm-hmm. Because for me, it breaks down to the first six months and the last six months. Mm-hmm. The first six months uh, were very, frankly, nerve wracking. Yeah. You know, I've been doing this a long time, but never been through a crisis like this before. Um, I've, I've invested in a market with high unemployment and other things. So what, what happened out of it, I had seen, but I had never been through this. I did not know what to expect. Frankly, we prepared for the worst. Uh, we had some pretty, um, oh man, that first 90 days, we just didn't know. We just didn't know. So it was, it was nerve wracking. Um, that that's for sure. Um, we um, we gave. I don't know if we, I don't know what the right word is. We gave away or credited or, or whatever the right thing is more money in the first six months than we'd ever done. Right? We were really we were really doing what hopefully people of one rental at a time would expect from Olivia and I is is, is we bent over backwards and then some. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so that was really the first six months was making sure you know we we were going to be fine. Um, we were ready for the worst case and we were helping every, I mean, we helped everybody we could and then some. So that was the first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll stop there. Maybe let you ask questions before I talk about the last six months. Yeah. So in that first six months, I mean, you know, it was, that's, that was the real wild card of this because yes. you had no idea, you know, you saw markets tanking. You had no yeah. idea what the, what the government was going to do to res- resolve mm-hmm. that you saw a bunch of people or a bunch of the shutdown, like yeah, literally never, never thought the U S economy could shut down. Like, what yep. the hell? And all of a sudden, you know, cause renters are a lion's share of the part of the economy that was shut mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Of course. You know, you look at that and you say, Holy cow, like they, the government's going to have to do something. They literally have no money and it's, and yeah. you know, we're also going to have to do something ourselves as well. Yeah. We were, we were helping folks before, was it called the CARES Act? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we were we, too. Yep. Yeah, we were. We were. We had already started, frankly, doing the right thing. Yep. Because I, I mean, I um, I don't know how to say this right. 
I don't trust the government. I don't want the government in my business. So we were already doing the right things. Yep. Uh, again, before the CARES Act was created. Um, and again, it, it, uh, it did, it didn't feel great on the financial side, but it was the right thing to do as human beings. So um, mm -hmm. that's more important, I guess. No, I agree. I think that I think that often I think the mistake that gets made is that, you know, government intervention, often they are using a sledgehammer when a scalpel is preferred. Oh, without and, question. And they often stay far too long at the party. <laughs> Way too long. Well, the people get addicted to um, free. Free. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. And so did that change any of the way that you, you know, interacted with your, with, with your management company? Did it change? Because mm -hmm. did you have units that were actually, you know, people actually choosing to move out? Or did you, were you steady, steady state where, you know, pretty much everybody just kind of locked down and locked in place and no one moved? Yeah, so the, it's funny. So we did have a, we did have a conversation. We identified 10 or 20 folks that were high risk, right? Because again, we had their job employment history. Uh, but the big thing for us is we started getting a daily report, right? We've been with our property manager for so long. Uh, to say that we don't audit the numbers as much as we used to is a, is a gross understatement. However, what we started getting, and I still get to this day, is a daily rent collection report. And we compare it today's date, whatever it is, August 6th, we compare it with July 6th, right? Mm -hmm. And then we'll get August 7th and we'll compare it with July 7th. So we started getting a daily report almost immediately. And um, what, we, what we saw probably after the first 100 or 120 days is um, while we had a couple of issues, it was not anywhere near our, um, oh my God number. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually turned out to be pretty high rent collection. Uh, the other thing that we did during that time period is we didn't raise rents anywhere. Yep. We, we refused to do that again. Um, this is pre-CARES Act. We didn't raise rents for uh, almost a year. We, if somebody left, and it was vacant, yes. we raised yep. rent, but we yep. didn't raise rent on any tenants. Cause again, it wasn't the time to, to do that. Yep. And in California, that's a real problem because we have rent control. So a lost year of rent growth is really a big a, deal. A lot, it's a big deal. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, it was, it's just not the thing to do when people are hurting. So we didn't. Um, and that's, you know, so we got more reports. We got really granular. We got granular like we hadn't in probably five years, maybe eight years. Mm -hmm. And really being granular allowed us to get more comfortable, right? It, it, it had us identify, sure. okay, that's a problem. That's a problem. But the big scheme of thing, we're, we're going to be okay. So uh, it was being granular day by day by day was um, very comforting. So you don't have to answer this question because I, I, I you know, I will answer it just because, uh, you know, I, I actually took the time, did the numbers, but okay. do you have an idea ballpark on what the last year and a half has cost? Ah, uh, cost in what regards? So, rent, loss of rent? Yeah, lo cost? Loss, loss, of, loss of rent. I mean, because we can't, we can't bill for loss of sleep. Yeah. So no. <laughs> I would, I, I haven't done the math. Yep. Uh, I had a couple of tenants who are now out that had pretty big balances. Mm -hmm. um, I, if I had to put a range, I would say 40 to 50. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably in that 20 to 30 K bucket. I went through a bunch of the numbers, but not everything. And the funny thing was for us, it was really a lion's share was to a specific tenant or two. 
Yeah, I think three, ten, no, let's say two tenants make up more than 50% of that. Yep, exactly. Yep, it's, it's precisely it. Yep, it's precisely it. So any other, so the, that was kind of the first six months. What about that last six months? Now, now how do you feel about where we're at? Uh, the last six months, obviously now it's been going on, let's call it 18 months or 14 months, whatever it's been. Um, rent collections are up. They've stayed pretty steady. Once once you got, once we got rid of the two people playing games, i.e., hey, you can't touch me, you know, cancel rents a thing, you, you know, yeah. you're the big bad landlord. Once those got gone for other lease violations, um, it's really not that bad. We, yeah. we have a couple of tenants that are hit and miss. We, we've, we've structured weekly payments with a couple. That's just how they're paid. So again, we're being more flexible today than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but once, <clears throat> once we got rid of the bad apples, it really hasn't been that much different, frankly. Now in California, your rent control capped at 6% increase? 5% plus inflation. 5% plus, wow, at 5.1% inflation. <laughs> it might be 10.1, right? Yeah, that's the math. <laughs> so I looked at it and for us, you know, on our portfolio, we probably raised rents because we had a number of people finally transition out and that was fine. Yeah. Um, that was the point. Because for us, we do a lot of uh, student housing um, and so, you know, that was, we actually phased out of that last year. We wanted to get back into students more because last year we were more at risk that college would just say, go home. And then oh, yeah. what were they going to do? So we actually pivoted last year with most of our properties um, and got out of student and more focused on non-student um, and just marketed differently. So we were bringing in different groups of folks, but yeah, if I had to look at it, I think overall on the entire portfolio, we're probably up seven percent on the entire portfolio overall in rents so we're going to make seven percent more this year than we did last year on the same list of properties and your debt structure stayed fixed and this and the debt structure actually is is drastically improved the debt yeah. structure you know the debt structure on probably out of 28 the deck structure is not fixed now only on seven properties mm. So only on seven, is it not fixed? And even on those seven that it's not fixed, I'm locked in at three, seven, five for five more years. Yeah, you've got what you can get, yeah. Yeah, so, and then the all the other stuff is now, now the entire rest of that list is all uh, fixed residential. Pretty, pretty, I like it. It is pretty, well, and that's why I was talking about too, is that we really prepped, right? And we really were in position for, we weren't thinking so much. The, the, the behavior that we had, was the same that you would do if you were preparing for a crash, which is capture, capture mm-hmm. whatever value you can out of your property. Mm-hmm. If those rates are low, grab as much of that, you know, low, low cost money as you possibly can. The only other thing that you do really is if you know a crash is coming or really believe a crash is coming, then you completely stop buying. That's the only difference really is you no, just complete, I, what, you, what never, else do you, think? You, you never stop buying if if you find a great deal. And again, I say this as somebody who I don't disagree them. with you bought the whole way down, but maybe you only buy great deals, right? You don't buy good, right? right? So if you had conviction, right? If you, if you believed, if you were in the camps that these other people who don't do the work every day and you were just reading headlines, right? Like they do. Um, Cause I, I love, I call it story time on YouTube where they sit down yeah. and they read to me. <laughs> story time. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, a the, fairy tale. I was like, where's the big bad wolf? I know it's going to come and get me. 
but but you know as they're having their story time if you're only listening to those headlines only digesting those headlines and you really thought a 40 percent crash were coming like really truly like you're convicted just as much as i am that it's really truly going to be a slowdown but that's really it is really a slowdown so if you felt the same had the same level of conviction to a 30 percent crash in the next 12 months would you still buy a great deal so let's just, so again, I believe that real estate markets have been doing this for a while, don't operate in unison. Yep. Uh, so let's just say I saw two, th- and again, people, people, God damn, fuck. Um, <laughs> crashes in single family homes take time. Yeah, they do. What mm-hmm. people don't realize is the last crash was five years in the making. That's right. So talk about a, a, talking about a crash like it's a car crash is idiotic. It doesn't happen that fast. It's a slow bleed. So let's just assume we were at the top of the market today and let's just use real numbers. Let's assume the average home is 400 grand and it will be 200 grand in five years, right? That's, that's a real estate crash. It's not the stock market. It's not cryptocurrency. It doesn't happen in a whisper, a minute, a week, a month, or even a year. Okay, you freaking people. Uh, but let's just say it's going to happen. 400 to 200. What do we do? First off, I've lived through that and we are buy and hold landlords. And the last time that occurred, because people will, will unfortunately lose their homes. That happens. Right. Because a recession is likely happened. And probably a depression is likely happened to go from 400 to 200. Mm-hmm. Rental units go up. Rents go up as people unfortunately lose homes. So the portfolio that we have now will be fine. Uh, the, all the debt structure, we've taken great care to be ready and fixed. More top line equals more bottom line. So what we have, we have. We don't... We don't look at our net worth. If I never had to fill out a financial statement, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it is. It's a, it's a fake number anyway. It it's a means absolutely nothing. Uh-huh. Um, but we care about cash flow, right? For, true bottom line cash flow. Uh, so unfortunately, if the real estate market went from 400 to 200, our cash flow would go up and a lot of people would be hurt. It would suck. Uh, and then if I did see it coming, I would be ready. To, I would probably start buying the best of, I would be buying Boardwalk and Park Place and Marvin Gardens to use the Monopoly board. Mm-hmm. I would be getting ready to buy the great assets uh, because they go on sale. And frankly, they fall faster because those people are usually impacted in the, in the rat race got them. The stuff at the bottom, the affordable stuff, it falls, but not nearly as much. That's what you need to understand. This affordable stuff is investor, owner, Wall Street owned. That stuff won't fall very much, but the high end um, you know, it, it will fall faster uh, because they got to they got to get out of their debt structure. So um, I would probably be getting ready to upgrade quality. And so if that were so what I so with your Wednesdays with uh, Anna Kelly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she has been a purchaser of beachfront property that she Airbnbs. Oh, I know. Right. Like a million dollar beachfront property. Gosh, like awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And here's the crazy thing. So for us, we have 17 miles of coastline in New Hampshire. I, we also looked at Maine a little bit, um, but those prices got nuts. Yeah. I would be looking at that. That's what I mean by class A. Yeah. I would be looking at class A because again, I've been doing this a long time. Yep. If we went into a recession that led to a depression in real estate prices, people who have second homes and vacation homes and all of these other things, they will be trimming fast or stock portfolios that are now half yeah 401ks or 201ks or 101ks or whatever people are going to be looking to slash and ultimately 
probably stop paying, which means banks would foreclose, the banks would get it, and we would just, again, I'm preparing, I'm ready. Uh, you know, believe me, Olivia and I would love to upgrade class of single family homes. So that's what we would do. I don't see it coming, but hey, if you want to play the what if game, I'm, I'm gay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I always look at it just because it's like, you know, hopefully I, I dream, I dream mm -hmm. to get that oceanfront house, you know, on New Hampshire's coastline, even though the water's too cold. I like the, I like the noise. Yeah, you can look at it. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. exactly. Oh, look, there's yeah. water out there. Look, there's water. They're like, don't you go swimming? No, no, in the ocean. It's too cold. Nuts. Yeah, I might, I might dip my toe in it <laughs> once in a while. I touched the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> exactly. I'll let it. I'll let it roll on my feet. That's about yeah, I'll it. I'll roll up my pant leg. I'll get like an <laughs> in and in. Exactly. Oh, that's cold. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is not skin friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Why are my feet so red? Because they're yeah, frozen. You dumbass. Exactly. It's chilly. So, Mike, thanks all much for your thoughts on this. So, where can everyone find you? Uh, one rental at a time. If you go to your Google search bar, type in one rental at a time, you should see YouTube, books, uh, Instagram, website, all that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. And guys, as always, we spend a ton of time coming up with great topics, great ideas to kind of talk through so you can kind of see where our heads are at. As you see, even if the Titanic's taking on water, Mike is still buying houses with waterfront views of the Titanic going down. It's all Absolutely. good. I love yeah. it. And so we took a ton of time, took, take a ton of time to put into this and make sure that you subscribe. We'd love to have you be a part of our fantastic, fabulous Fridays. Mike, thanks so much again. And we'll talk about the amazing segment three. You got it. All right. Thanks, Mike.